Welcome everybody to the AWM Capital Name, Image, and Likeness, also known as NIL Mini Podcast Series. I'm your host, Will McGuffey, and I'm an attorney, private wealth advisor, and certified financial planner at AWM Capital. The goal of this series really is just to inform our listeners about what NIL is and what they should be thinking about as they navigate the NIL landscape. We plan to have several guests during this series that will each give a unique perspective into what NIL is and give our audience a game plan on how to handle their situation and the things that they should be thinking about. Um, our first guest today is, is David Fleshman. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks, Will. Glad to be here. No, I'm, I'm excited for this. Uh, you know, to give you all a little background on, on David, David's a partner here in Baton Rouge at Brazil, Saxe and Wilson. Um, he and I also had the privilege of, of teaching the sports law class together this past fall at LSU Law School. Um, quite an adventure. Um, he was also a member of LSU's last Final Four basketball team, although I'm, all, I'm, I'm sure we all want that to change this year. We've got a chance. Um, but, but most importantly, he's, he's a specialist in the NIL landscape. Um, over the years, he and I have had the opportunity to work together on a number of projects in the sports law space as well. Um, with all that being said, though, I, th I think probably the most remarkable part um, about David's resume is that we were the same 1L section of law school. Um, he was a wide receiver on a notorious flag football team that, that I had the opportunity to quarterback. Um, you know, we, we studied for the bar exam together. There's a lot of stories. There's a, there's a lot of history. But the fact that he still claims me as a friend today is probably the, the biggest part of your resume that I, I'd like to compliment. So with, with all that being said, Davis, can you, Dave, can you just give us an introduction into what NIL is and, and what, what does it mean for amateur athletes? Yeah, well, thanks. I really appreciate you having me on the show and looking forward to uh, to our conversation. And I won't get into too many of those uh, those stories from <laughs> from law school um, or the the uh, the overthrown balls out there on the football field. But uh, so yeah, so NIL is a <clears throat> it's a really exciting uh, it's a really exciting development in uh, in sports, and people feel uh, pretty hotter. Uh, you know, it's, it's it, they feel hot or cold about this issue. Some people don't really care about it. Other people love it. Other people think it's the demise of college athletics. So it's a really, you know, it's a it's a it's a dividing um, aspect to college sports. It's a new development, and it's changed the it's changed the game completely. Um, so NIL in general is is involves the name, image, and likeness of of anyone. Uh, it's part of the the right of publicity, which is essentially the right to to make money on your name, image, and likeness promotions, autographs. Um, you know, now uh, student athletes can can make appearances and be paid for those appearances. Uh, they can do social media promotions. Um, and also, you know, we, we think about that aspect of NIL a lot as the ability to make money, but it's also the ability to protect your name, image, and likeness. So it's a corollary uh, right there um, that is it's also important when you see you know, other people using your name, image, and likeness and not, you know, not... Uh, in a way that you don't like or in a way that's it's not profitable. Yeah. Well, how did you first get involved in the NIL space and, and give us a little bit about what your, your current involvement is, what you actually do? Yeah, so um, probably about a year and a half ago now, um, my law partner, uh, Christine Caldwell, and I, uh, we, have, we have some relationships with several compliance departments here in, in the state of Louisiana. 
And um, we, we were having some conversations with those compliance departments just to kind of find out, you know, what, what type of issues are they dealing with? What type of legal issues um, do, they, do they arise? And maybe, you know, what is, what, what's something that maybe we could do in the sports law practice at Brazil, Saxon Wilson? You know, what's, what's something that maybe they need help on? Um, and it quickly, uh, quickly became clear that they were struggling and wrestling even a year and a half ago with this idea of name, image, and likeness coming into play. You know, traditionally, the NCAA has not allowed any student athlete to make a penny on, on their name, image, and likeness. And so, um, you know, the compliance departments were really concerned about that. And, and um, so we started to look into it. The NCAA was having some very preliminary conversations and seemed to be making the move towards supporting that. Um, and, you know, that, that was really kind of the, the start of it. And I can remember hearing... It's like this is a big deal if this is if this happens. I mean, this is a game changer um, because traditionally, you know, again, compliance departments across the country are reporting violations when a, a golf student athlete gets a an extra club sandwich at the clubhouse after playing golf. That technically could be a violation of NCAA uh, of the rules. And so, um, you know, certainly showing up at a car dealership for autographs and getting paid for that would have been a violation. So. Um, we recognized early on that this had a lot of uh, potential to be a game changer. And also uh, there's a lot of different levels and, and different complexities that would be involved with implementation of, of how this would, how this would go. So currently, you know, our, our, our role, what we started to do was just to monitor it and we were reading, reading everything we could. Um, you know, we still have the Google alerts you know, set for anything that mentions NIL. Um, early on, it was it was not a lot of a lot of hits that we would get, and then today it's almost overwhelming how many hits we get. So, um, but it really, you know, we we started to look at the different uh, the different legislatures and, and and their different respective acts um, that they were they were passing uh, to allow their student athletes, and that's really what kind of really pushed this NIL into play was the legislatures taking action and. Um, and, and authorizing their student athletes to make to make money on their name, image, and likeness. Um, and, and at the time before, you know, so July 1st, we'll talk about that date a lot, I'm sure. Yeah. But July 1st was, was kind of the D-Day. I mean, that was the day for NIL, July 1st, 2020, That's so, what I wanted to talk about. What, you know, I, I think you, you mentioned, hey, look, this didn't happen overnight, although the general public is sitting there thinking, like NIL, they just woke up one morning. It's like, hey, this can happen and deals were getting done. Like, what's the backstory? What's the history on that? What What's the case history? I mean, you, you said you've been working on this and thinking about this for years. Like, how did this all come about? Yeah, so it's it's not a new concept at all. I mean, you can think about professional athletes. You know, they deal with these endorsements and these rights all the time. So um, it really has just been foreign to the, uh, the collegiate landscape. And so... Um, but there's been a lot of discussions about it. There's been a lot of a lot of um, you know. There's the longstanding um, conversation is should should payers be players be paid to to uh, to play and um, and that's been a heated debate for the last probably 30, 30 years and it's still an issue today. Um, so you know it really came about with it started with California. California passed the um, ironically named pay to pay to play. Um, act, um, and but when they did that, they they pushed off the effective date um, until 2023. But but that was the first state that had a that had a law 
it was passed, it allowed student athletes to make money on their name, image, and likeness, um, which was which was very important. Um, but it really didn't have much teeth on it because it wasn't going to go into effect until 2023. Florida became the second state to pass NIL legislation, and that is what set the July 1st, 2021 deadline. Um, that was the date that that law went into effect. And so, you know, really what we had, and then, of course, after Florida did, then the rest of the states, um, I say the rest of the states, half the states started to, to, to see that Florida was doing this. It became this idea that if we, if our state doesn't have one, then that's maybe we're at a recruiting disadvantage. And so you saw a lot of the, 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 um, the states in the SEC um, and in the South, and, and uh, they all suddenly started to lobby their, their legislators in, in getting an NIL statute. So, it, you know, it really went California, Florida, and, but Florida is the one that really forced a lot of the other states into action, and including Louisiana. And, um, and most states had a July 1st, 2021 effective date. So, um, so that was, you know, that was a, that's kind of the background in, 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 into how we got into the space of, um, of, of this July 1st, 2021 deadline. But I, it's important it's important to, to, you know, because we were involved with this well before that date, you know, and a lot of people, it's funny, we talk to people about this all the time and they still don't know what NIL is. You know, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's just not on, on everyone's radar. If you follow college sports, you know what NIL is. Um, we gave a, a, a talk at the Rotary Club here in Baton Rouge and I would say 90% of the room had no idea what NIL was. And that was in September of, of this year. So, you know, it's, it's, it seems, you know, for us being involved, we've thought about it and talked about it and watched it kind of develop um, for, for quite a while. And but we have to remind ourselves that a lot of people don't even you know, they don't know kind of what that involves. Um, so but it's important to, to kind of talk through what we were looking at before July 1st. We were looking at a situation where state legislatures were passing laws that directly contradicted NCAA rules. So state laws were, you know, that were on the, that were you know, start to become effective in July 1st, said that a student athlete, you know, had a legal right to make money on their name, image, and likeness, while the NCAA rules said it would, you know, for, for the student athlete to do that, it would, uh, they'd be deemed ineligible. And so this was a, it's, it's, I think a lot of times we gloss over that fact, but but beforehand we were anticipating a lot of lawsuits. Uh, there was discussion about the NCAA potentially filing injunctions across the country to try to stop these laws from going into effect, and trying to argue that that um, that the NCAA had the ability to to prohibit this. Um, and so, you know, we were monitoring that and gearing up almost for a, a more of a legal challenge there. And ultimately, what happened on the on the eve of uh, July 1st, it was June 30th, the uh, NCAA waived, they, they issued a blanket waiver of their their prohibition against student athletes making money on their name, image, and likeness. And so, you know, really what that did to set the stage uh, for kind of where we are and where we've been the last six months, the NCAA said, if you are in a state that has an NIL law uh, that's in effect, you need to follow that law and you need to uh, follow your institution's name, image, and likeness policies. Uh, if you are a student athlete that's going to school in a state that does not have an NIL statute, um, you need to follow your institution's uh, NIL policies. So they, in one sweep of the, you know, one swoop of the pen there, they had, uh, they allowed all student athletes um, 
and for the most part, all student athletes. There's some issues we need to get into with the international students, but yeah. um, but for the most part, they they allowed them to do that. But it created a situation where we have 20, 20 so states with with slightly different uh, NIL statutes and guidelines. Institutions have different policies, and then you have uh, schools and states that that don't have to follow any any state law that are free to develop whatever policy they they want. So we really have. Uh, we don't really have a lot of consistency there, which is it's going to be problematic. I know that's a that's just a dump of words and, and a lot of background, but you know, try to just condense it down. It's 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 a complicated process. Right, I think it's helpful. And you know, you touched on a couple of things there, talking about there was different timing mechanisms, different states, different different schools have different rules, like. If, if I'm an athlete, if I'm an, a parent of an athlete, if I'm an agent, if, if I'm anybody involved in this, like, what should I do to, to, to get guidance on this? Where should I go first? I mean, does it matter? I mean, if I'm a high school athlete in Texas, but I'm signed to go to LSU, like, what, what do I do there? Where do I seek guidance? Is there a difference? You know, you mentioned there is differences, but like, what are some of those differences and, and how should I handle that? Yeah, so the first the first place you want to look is uh, is the state law of where of the school that you were going to attend. That's that's the first that's the first place you want to look. Yeah. So if you're a student athlete uh, in Louisiana, uh, you're going to want to look to Louisiana law. First first question you need to ask is does Louisiana even have a statute on on NIL? Do you're saying this this is if I'm an, I'm an amateur if I'm a high school guy living in Louisiana. Step one would be go to Louisiana statute and from there. Yes, yes, that okay. would be the first step. Now. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into let, we'll get into to that. High school is a, is a whole different animal uh, because most of the state statutes don't even deal with high school athletes. Now, Texas Texas is a is one of those that specifically prohibited high school athletes from engaging in NIL activities and making money on it, which is why you had you know a, a very high uh, highly recruited quarterback leave forego his senior year to go to a state and, and enroll early into a university for a seven figure NIL deal. Yeah, uh, but but so you know it really kind of complicates it when we talk about you know if you're in, in high school, but but um, you know so why don't why don't we take it first with if you're you know a college, college athlete. athlete, yeah, yeah. So the first question you want to ask is you want you want to know is does our state does our state uh, have a law on that? Uh, the second the second question is you're going to want to get a copy of your your institution's nil policy now. Where do, you get, where do you get a copy of that at? The Just compliance, compliance? Yeah, so the compliance department should be your, your – uh, they should be educating all the student-athletes on what is permissible uh, in their state and, and under their institution. Um, you know, so – but the, the first – if you are enrolled in school or you have a, a child that's, that's a student-athlete in college, you, you, you can feel free to contact the compliance department to say what guidance – you know, can you please let us know what we can or can't do. Yeah. Um, so that's those are kind of the, the the two main places you need to go and you need to look. Um, it's a you know the NCAA is really taking a hands off approach. They have really punted on enforcement of this. They have left it up to the states and to the institutions to uh, to monitor and to set the really the um, the guardrails as to what is permissible and what is not. And I'll give you an example. So under Louisiana law, student athletes cannot promote um, any any casinos or gaming or um, any um, alcoholic beverages or, um, you know, there's, there's just a, there's several kind of five things, tobacco is another one. Uh, a lot of states have those same prohibitions, um, but, but Florida does not. So, so Florida, 
you, if you're a student athlete in Florida, you can you can do a, a deal promoting um, a, a beer company. You know that is not um, that's not necessarily prohibited in, in Texas. Um, in in I mean I'm sorry in Florida in Texas, you know, their state statutes prohibit student athletes from um, any nil nil deal involving the adult uh, film industry. Louisiana yeah. doesn't. So there's all kind of the little things here and there that. Um, that it really just depends on what state, what the state law says of where you are. Um, and then, of course, the policies uh, of the institutions are also equally as important to look at. If you want to, we, if you want to kind of take a step back and, and now look at the high school. Well, while, while we're on the, on the college side, one of the things I was thinking about is, is you said we've got both institution and state rules that we're kind of looking at, um, and that's our guidance. Is there any guidance from the conferences? Like, <clears throat> if I'm at, L, I, I just use LSU because we're here, we went to law school there. Um, if, if I'm an LSU student-athlete or prospective student-athlete, does the SEC come into play ever, or is it just strictly your university policy and the state that it's located in? Yeah, so it's, it's the conferences have the ability to also um, to have rules and regulations on that as well. Um, we have haven't dealt with, done it yet or no? Well, we haven't dealt with a lot. We haven't seen that a lot. Um, I think yeah. that's where it's going. I do think yeah. that the conferences will, um, at the point where they feel like they really need to step in, um, but there's concerns. I mean, there's concerns for the SEC to just jump in and regulate, you know, because, you know, again, student athletes in Louisiana and other states now have a legal right to, to, to make money on their name, image, and likeness. And to restrict that right unreasonably will invite legal challenges. So it would be the same thing over again. They've been challenging the NCAA, NCAA for all these years. And now if the conferences step in, it's going to be basically taking the place and they're going to go after those conferences and sue them. And the same process probably happens all over again is what you're saying. That's right. It could, it could, if, yeah. if, if, if whatever rule or regulation they, they uh, put into place really affects student athletes ability to, to reasonably profit on their name and likeness. Yeah. Huh. That's, that's interesting. Now back to the, the high school student athletes, how does, how does that differ from the college? And then how does that differ? I know you said we, we talked about the quarterback that went to Ohio state from Texas the reason why he did it, what, what's different with the, the high school amateur athlete that, that we need to be aware of? So the, the primary difference is you're now, you also bring in a third component, which is the high school athletic associations. So, you know, the, the, the steps that you would look at, you know, we'll take Louisiana just because I know you know Louisiana law um, very well. Um, so if, if I'm a high school student athlete and I would, I would first look to the state statute. And I would ask, does, does our state statute even address it? Does, it? does it give me or prohibit me from making money on my name and likeness? The answer is no, the state statute doesn't address any, any athletes aside from, from collegiate athletes. The next step you would look to would be, you would then go to the, the LHSAA. Um, they have rules that prohibit, you know, and really that they try to promote amateurism in the same way that the NCAA has. Um, and uh, most high school athletic associations do not have a rule that is very clear on this issue. And the reason for that is because um, it could affect college recruiting. So if you were a high school athlete and you were signing autographs or making appearances in exchange for, for you know, cars, that could have, you know, would likely affect your eligibility to play at the next level. So it wasn't really as much of a need to enforce that at the high school level because the institution took such a strong stance against that and, and the fact that it could affect your future eligibility to play college sports. So the, the LHSAA and, and most of the high school athletic associations 
their rules are, are unclear, but they have taken the position that, uh, that, that for a high school athlete to engage in NIL will render them ineligible. So, um, for you know, ineligible just for high school athletes, just for high school. So okay. it will not, it, it will not affect, um, that, you know, the high school athletic associations don't have any ability to tell, you know, the NCAA, you know, to affect the eligibility there. But they have they have said that you your high school eligibility will be jeopardized if you engage in NIL activities. Um, now, you know, Louisiana, that is something that we think is ripe for legal challenges because the rules are unclear. Um, there's several high school athletic uh, associations in the country that allow it, California being one. Um, I, I think New York just recently changed. And you're seeing some high school athletic associations change their mentality on this. Um, and, and I think that is, is a, uh, a change that we likely see more of as the NCAA's, uh, the right that they granted uh, is, is kind of is being codified and, and it's not going anywhere. I imagine we would see high school athletes being able to utilize that with a little bit more clear direction. But it gets real muddy in high school um, because the, the rules of the high school athletic associations are less than crystal clear on, um, on whether you can or you can't. So we, we deal with high school administrators um, a lot. Just, you know, what do we tell parents? And, you know, ultimately what you are risking here is, is, is the eligibility of the student athlete. And so, um, you know, it's one of those things, if you don't have, um, you know, if you tell your student athlete that you can't engage and you report to the LHSAA, they will likely at this stage likely tell you, that you were ineligible to continue playing any other sport. So it's, it would be all sports. It's not just one particular. It's like, I'm right. a football player. I do something football related. I can't play baseball. I can't play basketball. Also. No, it's, you've lost your amateur status. What, what about as far as, you know, you, we talk about there's different state laws, different, you know, um, laws for high school players. And we're looking at what the, the state high school association is, is, is kicking out and then the institution and the state. What if I do something in high school that's completely legal where I live as a high school athlete and I'm signed to go play in another state and what I did in high school would not be fair game. Wouldn't be, I wouldn't be allowed to do that if I was attending a university and and they had a rule in place. Does that affect my eligibility in any way at that university or do they just say, Hey, that happened, happened in high school we're now moving on to this other phase in this other state. What happens from this point on is all that we care about. Like what's, what's the, the yeah, thought would, process it, there? It, it should not affect, uh, it should not affect that at all. Your eligibility at the, at the college level. So um, when you, during the recruiting process, if you're getting recruited by you know, a lot of different states, you don't, that doesn't need to be one of your considerations um, is do they allow it or do they not at all? Um, now the NCAA, if they came back eventually and, and, and changed that, um, or, or kind of restricted those rights to, to do that, then you know, they would be the ones that have the, the, really the power to say you are ineligible because of your high school activities to play anywhere. But they, that's, we're not seeing any of that at all. Um, and they're probably not going to go retroactive on us either and be like, I mean, it's probably going to be like from this point forward, this is going to happen. We're not going to penalize anybody in the past, correct? Right. So if, if University of Texas is recruiting um, you know, somebody in California, which, you know, that it does happen. Um, they get a lot of good recruits out there. Um, the California High School Athletic Association allows student athletes to engage in NIL activities. And, you know, Texas does not allow their high school athletes to do that. Um, there's no problem with, with that at all. There is no, no violation. And it's really, it's two separate things. 
Um, and, and think about it, you, you know, these states and the institutions in these states, even if they don't have um, a law allowing it, um, they don't want to restrict their ability to recruit in states that allow it, you know, for high school athletes. And But, but you're seeing the transfer portal, you know, that, that's where it gets, you know, really, really, really complicated because if you have a deal in place in one state, that doesn't mean that that deal can continue in another state because the, the laws are different. Well, I was thinking about that as far as a, a somebody from Florida that has a, even a you know a high school or a, a college player that that has a you know something with an alcohol. You said alcohol is allowed in the state of Florida, and then they come to Louisiana, um, then it's not allowed. They won't be penalized, or will they just stop the activity? What's what's the thought process there? Well, I, I you know the question is going to be it's going to be a conflict. Yeah, well, it's 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 a it's an interesting one. I mean, I, I think they would not be able to continue. Um, doing that in Louisiana, but the question is going to be, where is this activity taking place? You know, um, the, the, uh, the brewing company in Florida may still want this student athlete to show up um, and, and, and promote their Florida beer. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that would be, um, you know, problematic when you come into a state that, that specifically prohibits it. Um, but this is, you know, it would, what's really interesting about this and for the first time that we're seeing, this is an issue of state laws and the conflict of laws, we're not really talking about the NCAA here. And that's been the, that's been a concern for student athletes in college and, and the compliance departments for you know, the last 50 years is we want to stay out of the, you know, out of the, the hammer of the NCAA coming in and saying that you violated one of our rules. Now we're talking about state legislature, different, different state laws, different institutions, policies, and all of that can change things. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. What are you seeing? I know, I know we're starting to see the headlines around National Signing Day um, about boosters, and you're seeing this NIL, I, I don't want to call it a slush fund, but this NIL fund that the University of Texas is creating, boosters are getting involved to raise NIL funds, you know, transfer por- portals heating up. There was an attorney, I think, offering people in Virginia, if they went to UVA to do X, Y, Z automatic, you come here, you get $15,000. If you promote, promote my firm, what are your thoughts on that? What do you see the issues? I mean, is this, what do you think happens there? Or is there any, any big issue you see coming out of this or or how, how do you handle this? Yeah. So, you know, this is the closest that we've got, uh, that we've, we've seen where we are getting really close to, to violations of, of current NCAA rules. So when the NCAA, uh, when they waived their, their rule prohibiting NIL, they made it very clear that, um, that their rules prohibiting um, you know, impermissible ben- benefits or um, you know, recruiting uh, inducements, that is, it pay to play, that is all still prohibited by the NCAA and they will still enforce those. What so they'll NCAA- cross over and say, hey, this is, this is pay to play, this isn't NIL and they will, the NCAA will step in at that point. Yeah, so I'll give you an example. If you have, um, if you're a student athlete and um, and you have a potential deal for a hundred thousand dollars to do an autograph signing, if you don't go to that autograph signing, but you get the hundred thousand dollars, then you haven't. There, there has been no no um, exchange there, and so that is a that is a uh, impermissible benefit that you receive. So there has to always be an activity or an endorsement or an appearance or something. Um, tied to the exchange of compensation. If there's not, and money just gets transferred into account uh, of a student athlete, that is still a violation of the, it's been a violation and it still is. 
Um, and it's and it will probably <laughs> always be if, if the NCAA is allowed to continue, you know, making making rules on that front. Um, so, you know, you see these the these these collectives as they're kind of being called, and and they they pop up, and, and this, you know, it's been really interesting because this is the first signing day that we're we're seeing you know with the NIL in place, but. That's really when we saw a lot of states and a lot of these different groups coming together and making collectives in their state. And Texas is a great example. And they have two, they've got one $10 million fund and they've, they've you know, put together a board of directors of notable alumni of the University of Texas that will decide, you know, um, which athletes will support which businesses um, down the future, down, down the road. But what's concerning to me is what you're, what you're hearing is, is there is nothing about how these funds necessarily are going to be used. You know, there's, there's nothing about a promotion of a business or a promotion. It's getting very, very close to a recruiting inducement. It's, it's, it's a signal to say that our school has the alumni base that has $10 million ready to spend um, on its athletes. And it, it, Texas even got even closer to that when they, they said $50,000 per offensive lineman, you know, now what they're not saying is that, you know, we've seen the deals with the offensive linemen with barbecue restaurants in Texas and Arkansas. You know, that's on brand that makes sense, but it's also within the, the initial you know, kind of scope of what NIL is intended to be. It is, there's no reason, and, and I agree that, that student athletes, because they're student athletes, shouldn't be prohibited from promoting or, you know, using their popularity. Um, you know, I, and, and most of these deals are not massive deals. I mean, there's a, there's, Five hundred dollars to, you know, uh, to to show up at, at a at a holiday Christmas party um, can be a pretty big return on the on the investment. You know, when you have a super, you know, when you have somebody, um, you know, the, if you think Joe Burrow here parking cars at a Christmas party or being a valet wouldn't be, you know, a, a pretty big hit. Now he could do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and so it's but these collectives, the narratives surrounding the collectives are problematic. I think. Um, you're the, the the offers to just pay money. I mean, that is pay to play. Um, you, we saw you one said two like, days "Hey, ago. look, this is this is if you're an offensive lineman, this is for you." Versus like, "Hey, there's a nexus between your personality, your popularity, our brand, and then we're going to discuss. You know, then we're going to decide how we pay you." So yeah, it does sound like, "Hey, this is for you if you come here, not this is for you because of who you are and how you can help our brand." And and then when you describe collective, what what is a collective? I don't, I don't, can you help kind of unpack what that yeah, is? Yeah, so it means it, people use that in different, different ways. But, I, you know, the way that I think about it, it's a collective of people coming together um, to, to put, to, to invest funds towards a goal of supporting you know, the NIL and creating NIL opportunities for student athletes. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, you hear it used sometimes meaning to pay a whole team or to do all of that. But, but really, I think of it as, a group of, of individuals coming together to support opportunities and NIL opportunities. The idea alone is not, it's, it's not as concerning to me that people would want to do that, except it's the rhetoric around it. And it's also, they're not talking about their current offensive linemen. You know, I mean, they can go do deals with the current offensive linemen. They are using the publicity of that to signal at a, at a, at a good time. We need some top offensive linemen who wants $50,000. Now, and again, it's, that's, there's a lot of problems. I think that we're starting to see, I think, what a lot of people expected to see maybe earlier. It, it's some of the worst of the worst of, of, um, of 
A, not knowing the rule, but B, not really being concerned about anyone enforcing it because of, of how murky everything is and the NCAA's saying that, look, we're not in the business of interpreting everyone's NIL. The state, the 28 different states that have NIL laws, we're not going to interpret your institution's NIL policies because we've got a lot of institutions. Um, you know, so that's up to y'all. And that's, that's kind of, I think, uh, allowed people to say, you know, who's going who's gonna to stop us from doing that? And that's a problem. We saw one two days ago with, um, I think it was, uh, was it Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan? Um, but there was a, a tweet that was put out towards the, um, you know, the, uh, the transfer, uh, the quarterback at Oklahoma that's in the transfer portal that says, have you considered our, our college? You know, we have a million dollars um, ready for you uh, to play for one year. I mean, that is, a, that is, again, that has been a violation of the NCAA rules in the past, and it is today. And I do think this is a, a place where you might see the NCAA reinsert itself into showing these really egregious examples of this has nothing to do with NIL. Um, NIL wasn't mentioned in that tweet at all. Um, it was, here's, it, that's a pay to play and, a, and an illegal recruiting inducement. I mean, these are the things that you and I had to deal with. I mean, being the top caliber athletes yeah. we were, of course. I mean, I, I was just turning down deals left and right. You know, I mean, just people were like, hey, here's some money. We want you to come be hurt at uh, Northwestern State and for you at LSU. It I was mean, really exhausting. It was just exhausting yeah, to just turn, a lot, a lot to turn, work through. Turn away all that money. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was a real difficult time there. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Well, good. Well, you know, I, I know we've, we've, we've talked about a lot of things and, um, you know, I think the most important thing, I mean, it's, it's a lot to, to understand and, and to, to break down for somebody that's new to this. And, and a lot of student athletes, parents, coaches, even compliance departments, I think we're seeing that there's differences in, in the ability of compliance departments to, to analyze rules or help their student athletes. Um, you know, but I, th I think the, the good framework and good starting point for everybody is step one, go look at the state, you know, the state legislation, what it says. And then two, if you're a high school athlete, LHSA, if you're in Louisiana or whatever your state athletic association, if you're at a university, just go to your compliance department and start there. Do you okay. have any, any parting shots, any, any last like big things that, that you want to talk about or that you'd say, Hey, look, if, if I'm a, a student, a prospective student athlete, if I'm a family, if I'm a, uh, I mean, even a, an agent or a compliance department, anybody that might be listening to this, is there anything you want to kind of say, Hey, look, this is, this is a, something that, that you should think about that we haven't touched on mm -hmm. yet. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's important. A lot of times you hear the negative about NIL. There's a lot of positives to this. You know, there, there really is. And um, and I, I think you, it's remembering that these student athletes, um, you know, the, most of them are not getting $50,000 deals to do, you know, very little or to do, you know, um, autograph signings. Uh, but they do have large social media followings because they're, you know, um, they, they're in the public more. I mean, it, especially at the larger institutions. So, there's a lot of smaller deals that, that are awesome that we're seeing, um, you know, to promote, a, you know, local local stores in, in Baton Rouge um, or a boutique. You know, you get a soccer player that's in a sorority uh, that promotes a local boutique by, you know, with with some some new jackets or game day wear. <clears throat> that stuff's very successful um, for the for the, the brand itself. Um, and it's not game changing for that student athlete. It's not like they can now just, you know, retire on the $500 they made from the promotion. But at the same time, they are not, they are not um, you know, deemed ineligible and put into the headlines and, and now 
can't participate in their sport for doing that deal. So I think it's important that everyone remembers the scope of kind of what we're talking about. There's always going to be individuals and, and, and boosters that want to push this thing and, you know, and get the biggest advantage. And, you know, and that's something that it's going to have to be dealt with. But I think overall we've, we've made a right step into uh, removing that barrier because, again, remember that, that all the student athletes, they're, you know, their classmates and, and um, at the university who weren't student athletes, they all could do that. They all could 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 um, do the same things um, without potentially having any 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 problems or being removed from their from their their sport or their a hobby of theirs. So you know this has really equalized that. And but we, there needs to be some stronger guardrails put up. There needs to be consistency across the board. And I think that what we're looking at is potential federal legislation. Um, this will come back towards the you know the middle right now. Um, I think people. I think the NCAA is, is going to step in here shortly and, and start enforcing their their current rules. But um, I do think it's important for people to remember um, that there's a lot of student athletes on the Division two and Division three level two that are now able to um, to do things that that other kids, whole camps. You know, when we were playing, you know, we couldn't we couldn't um, train athletes or hold a camp and 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 get paid for that. Um, you know, now they can. And so we're actually uh, going to utilize that with, you know, our daughter and some of her teammates. We're going to get some athletes just because it's something like I'm not an expert, but you've got a college athlete that has a little time and, and needs the money. And it's like they're not getting rich. But I mean, I remember being a student athlete and a couple hundred dollars went a long way. Um, absolutely. You know, talking about rent, talking about groceries. I mean, we didn't have everything we needed and it just kind of helped out. And I, th I think you're right. That is a, a positive. And that's what a lot of people should be looking at this as. Yeah. So, but there's, there's a million different legal, you know, legal issues. Yeah. There's, um, and, and again, the other thing I, I would be good to, to point out is that if, you know, if you're a student athlete, just cause you see a deal that's done and the way that that deal is done in, you know, in uh, Texas, that doesn't mean that that deal can be done here legally. So, yeah. you know, there's a, some schools are allowed to facilitate um, arrangements and deals for their student athletes. Um, and other states prohibited, like Louisiana. You know, the LSU athletic department cannot arrange um, a deal between a brand and one of their student athletes. A coach can't do that under Louisiana law. Um, really? Other states that don't have that, they, they don't have a state law that prohibits that. And the institutions in those those states have said, well, we should be able to arrange those deals. So, um, you know, so that's that's the that's a good example of how different the different states and, um, and where we are with the, with the guidelines. So when you when you read that BYU has arranged a, a deal with uh, the entire football team or given all the walk-ons scholarships, um, you know, through a brand that's come in to pay, um, you know, to promote this, this, this deal, uh, that can't happen in Louisiana. And so um, it's just important to remember that we are we're kind of dealing with, you know, a lot of different uh, interpretations and different laws and regulations on this. And so, you know, stay with, stay within your bounds if you're a college athlete, the compliance department, you know, they, they're, they're up to speed on this and they have to be. Yeah. No, and I, th I think, you know, the, the biggest thing about this, we talk about this in class, is it's, it's an evolution. It's constantly changing. States might have a law in the books right now, They're, or schools might have a, a policy in place, but they're going to go back and revise and look and, and make adjustments as they see fit. Um, so I think it's it's smart not not just to be complacent, like something happens, you know, continue to go back to those resources before you do your next deal. Continue to use your compliance department, continue to check on you know, the state legislation. So 
Um, with that being said, Dave, man, I really appreciate this. This has been fun. Um, you know, I think just for me and you to, to get together and, and cut it up in person, um, or I guess in person, but to talk about something that, that we talked a lot about this, this past fall. But um, I, I think that there's not there's just not a lot of information out there about this. Um, and I think that being able to, to give this insight is, is extremely important um, to everybody involved in, in sports, whether it's like we said, whether it's the athlete family compliance department and and what i you know our listeners what i'd tell you to do is is we're going to have some show notes that are attached to the bottom of of this podcast and it's going to have our contact information in it if you have any questions um, please feel free to reach out to to david or i and we will try to help out in any way we can help direct you you know obviously if it's a a texas issue and, and we're louisiana attorneys we might not be able to work on it directly but we can point you in the right direction or, or help you find somebody that might be able to help you out um, but so go take a look at those show notes if you have any questions or if there's something you'd like us to discuss on a future podcast um, please let us know and, and we'd love to touch base on it so uh, david thank you once again um, you know this was great um, you know and also thanks once again for the uh, sports law fun and, and look forward to doing that again next year educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.